Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. The voice of God is not the only voice in your head or in your ears. The voice of God is not the only voice in your head or in your ears. Now, we believe that hearing the voice of God is the most important thing that you can do for your future. It's the most important thing that you can listen to to help you deal with your past. And it's the most important thing that you can do in your life is to learn to listen to the voice of God. You see, the voice of God gives life, it brings life, and it protects us from death. One of the reasons that we learn to hear the voice of God is to help us not make bad mistakes. Who's made a few doozies in their time? But, so, but when we hear the voice of God, He brings life. He also protects from death. It's that relationship you didn't enter into. It's that person you didn't hire, that job you didn't take, that house you didn't buy, that thing that you really wanted to, but there was some voice within that helped you, that guided you, that protected you, that guarded you. And this is why we need to hear the voice of God. The voice of God is also how we know and how we sense and how we experience belonging. Jesus says this in John 48, 47. He says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The deep questions of life, the, the eternal questions of life, that deep down sense of belonging to something, of having purpose, of having vision. That comes from the voice of God. And so it's so important. And here's a great thing. We don't have to earn the right to hear the voice of God. This is not what this series is about. This is not about us earning. It's not about like ninja techniques for us to earn to hear the voice of God, like when you're good enough. It's about us actually learning that God is speaking and how do we attune our ears? How do we... Uh, set aside time to block out the noise of life so that we can listen clearly to the voice of God. Because the voice of God is not the only voice in our ears and in our heads. So what we're going to look at today is how do we know that it's God's voice and not our own voice? And this is particularly important when the stakes are high, when decisions are big. I'm not talking about, do I take the beef burger or the chicken burger? I'm not sure. That is important, but I'm talking about some things. I'm talking about things that are personal, things that have risk, things that have consequences that matter. I'm talking about close relationships. I'm talking about careers, about jobs. 
about big financial decisions and business decisions, employment decisions, all these kind of things when the stakes are high. And here's my experience that most people want to hear the voice of God, but at the same time, most people are a little unsure and they don't want to get it wrong. So sometimes our desire not to get it wrong just leaves us in a place where we don't seek to get it right and we just rely on common sense and our own understanding, our own wisdom, which is okay, but it can't give us insight into things that we don't know and that's why we trust God. So last week we talked about why God speaks and the ways that God speaks But today we're talking about when he does speak or when something speaks or someone speaks, how do we know that it is his voice? And one of the main ways that God speaks is an impression through the Holy Spirit. We might call it a witness of the Holy Spirit within us. But what we often struggle with is, is that the witness of God? Is that the voice of the Holy Spirit within me or is that just an idea? Or is that just leftovers that were left too long that we ate? So today we're going to talk about how do we test an impression. So we might say, well, yeah, these same principles, we could also apply them to other voices that we hear from other people. But predominantly I want to focus on testing an impression. A little bit later in the series, we're going to talk about how do we hear the voice of God in relationships and in community and in the home and as a church. But today, I mainly want to focus on how do we test an impression. So before we jump in, I want to kind of identify because some of our starting points are meaningful. Okay, so I want to get you to join in with something. Okay. I'm going to ask you, give you kind of two choices, and I want you for one of the choices, choices I'll tell you which, to lean to the left, which is your, my right. In case you didn't know, I'm sometimes not the most coordinated person, so I have to. Okay, so, all right, so let's try this. So um, on one side, your left, the mystic who believes that God speaks through everything, okay? And on the other side, the rationalist who believes that God never speaks, okay? So what, even if it's only a little bit, what is your natural leaning? There's no right or wrong, okay? So some of it, have we got some, some mystics or some rationalists? We're not talking about good people or bad people, okay? So you identify your leaning. The other is optimist, or pessimist. Both are good. And I'll explain why later. But are you more naturally optimistic or more naturally pessimistic? No one is. Even if it's a little lean, everyone's got a little lean. The other one, the final one, is do you know the Bible? If you're listening in podcasts, you can do this as well. If you're driving a car, you can lean one side or another. Just stay safe, people. So lean... Do you know the Bible? You know, you maybe been a Christian, been around church for a while, or you're just starting, just at the starting. This will also have a little bit of effect on how you approach 
this task. Okay, I'm going to come back to those things later. But right now we're going to jump into our main scripture today, which is this one from 1 John chapter 4. I'm reading from the NIV. It will be up on the screen. You can follow in your own Bible or you can follow also on a device. 1 John 4 in the NIV. Here's what it says. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets, also false teachers, have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, okay, which is opposed to God, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. This is good news. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And this is important. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So when it comes to hearing the voice of God, we have one objective, and this objective is truth. Our objective is to separate truth from lies, is to separate truth from falsehood. It says there are two spirits. One is a spirit of truth, and the other is a spirit of falsehood. So the voice of God is the voice of truth. And so We need to know that our objective is to work out what is a lie and what is the truth. Who likes being lied to? Nobody. But we lie to ourselves and we accept lies as truth. But why Jesus came is to allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to help us work out what is what. That is our number one objective, truth. What is the truth for me? What does God say about me as true? What is the truth for this situation? What is the truth about this person? Is there something that God knows about what's going on under the surface that he can reveal to help me, even in a positive way, to say, hey, this is like, go for it here, or like, hey, hang on a minute, there's something that I know about this person or this situation. There's falsehood, clouding. This is clouded, and I want to bring. So that's our number one objective which is truth. The second thing to say from this passage is there are two sources. So another way that we could understand when it says spirits, we could say there are two sources, two spirits. There is a spirit of truth and a spirit of falsehood. One source is inspiring truth, that is the Holy Spirit, and there is another source that is inspiring falsehood. And lies, and that is the enemy or the Antichrist. So there's two sources. So God's voice, the Holy Spirit, is going to, that source is going to lead us to truth, 
And the other source, the other spirit, is going to lead us to falsehood. Now, here's when we need to understand that we don't want to get too intense. And this is sometimes where our leanings between being a mystic and being a rationalist comes in. Because we don't want to think that every decision is either motivated by the enemy or by Jesus. So like, do I, do I get a steak or a salad? Okay? And like, if I get it wrong, like what's going to happen? Like, God, what are you, you know, what are you saying? What is the truth about steak or the truth about salad? And so if, sometimes if we like get like way too intense, then you, you get tied up in knots and you're kind of a crazy person to be around, okay? And I'm sorry if that's the truth. It's the objective. But sometimes, so here's what we know, that God gives us choice in simple things. You might call it common grace as well. But he doesn't want us to, to think that, that life is such a tightrope that if you make one slip, you're going to fall to your death. Nor is it a straitjacket where you're just controlled. But at the same time, if you're a rationalist, you might fall off the cliff because you've missed the signs. Okay, see why the leanings do come into it. And so it's not a tightrope, but God's voice, it is a narrow path and it's also a guided journey. So when in the bigger things of life, we hear a voice that says, watch out. This is where the, the road takes a left. Don't fall off the cliff. And so we need to listen to that. So you understand two sources. The next thing that we need to understand is that we have two tasks. One is that we have to learn to listen. And the other, which comes from this passage, is that we have to learn to test. So I have to learn to listen and I have to learn how to test. This is what it says in that first thing it says, test the spirits. Test to see whether they are from God. So test the source. Test what is behind it. Now here's what is interesting because as a Christian, as a believer, one of my tasks is actually unbelief. So in Christianity, we talk about belief being a big, big task. And I agree that that is true. We need to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. But another equal task is unbelief. I need to not believe other things. I need to have firm, firm decisions <clears throat> at times, not about steak or salad, but what is true and I need to hold on to that truth and absolutely grab a hold of it. And then in the other stage, I need to wholeheartedly reject something. And this is a word for some of you today, is that you haven't been exercising the force of unbelief that God wants you to exercise. You haven't been totally rejecting things that are untrue, even basic things about your relationship with God, your status of being loved, the grace of God. You've allowed lies to kind of hang around 
And God's saying we've got two things to do. One is we've got to hold on to what is true but, and absolutely grab a hold of that. And then we've got to totally reject what is untrue. And so I, for some of you, this is a word for you. You've been a little bit like, oh, like, yeah, I, I'm going to give this a hug and I'm going to give this a pat on the back. And God says, make a choice. Jump in. You know, you know what is good. You know my voice. You know I love you. You know I've forgiven you. Why are you allowing lies to hang around? You know my plans for you are good. Grab onto those. Reject the voices that say you're worthless. Reject the voices that say that you have no hope. Reject the voices that say that you've made too many mistakes for God to use you in your future. These are not true. So we've got two tasks. And I need to have effort and energy and faith to grab a hold of what God's got for me and exercise complete belief. And then I need to, at the same time, exercise complete unbelief. What is it that God wants you to exercise unbelief in today? What is it that God wants you to exercise discernment to say, this is this is not even partially false. This is how the enemy works. He kind of says, well, kind of like if you think about it, there's a little bit of truth in that. And as we learn to hear the voice of God, we say, no, that little bit of truth is untruth. And I'm going to reject that. So two tasks. From this passage, we also see five Voices, five prominent voices that shape our impressions. And they are here. The voice of my inspired thoughts from God. The voice of my inspired thoughts from the enemy. So the enemy can sow seeds. I know that all of you here would have had a thought that just kind of came from nowhere. That was not good and not true and not right. That's an inspired thought. From the enemy. Then we have the voice of people inspired by God. This is what this passage says. Then we also have the voice of people inspired by the enemy. And then finally, we have the collective weight of voices of our culture and media. Who knows that there is messages, strong messages that come from multiple sources? through the news cycle, through the shows that we watch. We need to learn how to discern them and also that they have an impact on shaping the way that we think and how we interpret the voice of God, how we understand the voice of God. So they shape our thoughts and our impressions. So this is our starting point and here's what we need to do. We need to learn how to test. So I'm going to make this really practical and I'm going to give you seven ways to test an impression. Seven tests. Now I would say that these are tried and true. These are things that um, I've talked to other people about who are good and godly and put God first in their life. And these are also things that my wife and I have tried and true and uh, are tried and true for us in the big decisions of our life. 
We've got decisions here where to buy houses, to sell houses, how many kids to have, job change, career change, move cities, plan a church. About maybe, it was about 12, actually just, a, just ticked over 10 years ago, we left Sydney to come to Brisbane. And our original inspiration to come to Brisbane before that was to plan a church. And so uh, there I was, had a job that I enjoyed, big money, my own office with a harbour view. What possessed me or motivated me to leave that to then go into ministry? Well, it's the voice of God. And so everyone's journey will be different. And ministry is not the pinnacle. God's voice is going to create a unique path for you that has all the joy, all the peace, all the purpose. It's the only way that you can leave a legacy. And so we're going to talk about how we do this. These tests have been tested. So what they're going to do, they're going to bring you into your purpose. They're going to allow you to produce life within and life around you. But also, I believe that these are going to save you from some unnecessary heartache. Some unnecessary heartache. Some things that were not in God's will for you, that God's going to lead you and say, hey, think about this. So, here we go. The first one is the word test. And this is this one, it says, does it align with the word of God? This is really, really important. Last week I said this, and what I said last week was the substance of every word from God is the word of God. The substance of every word from God is the word of God. It is what is created out of. So the Bible is clear, it is consistent. Now, if you're, remember that leaning, if you're just starting out, then why do we come on Sundays? What, what do we do? Why are we encouraging each of us to have a daily Bible reading plan? Because this is the foundation for godly life. And so most of what God asks us to do, he asks everybody to do the same. And so this is like the number one basic filter on every decision that we can make. So there's some things that God is just an easy, that that's not the voice of God. So God is not going to say don't forgive that person because that's not in his word. He's not going to say steal from that person because they don't deserve it anyway. He's not going to say be unfaithful to your spouse. That's very clear from the word of God. He's not going to say you don't need church anymore. It's very clear that community is his plan, Christian community. When Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, and you can read about this later, when he was confronted by the enemy, the voice of the enemy, how did he respond? He responded by quoting scripture from the word of God because he was not going to be led in anything apart from the word of God. It is this basic Filter. So here's one of the things that you're going to say. 
What does the Bible say about my issue? What does the Bible say? And so that is the first test. Does it align with the word of God? The second test is the wisdom test. And it's this one. What do godly people in my church say about it? Now, the reason that I've put these two close together, and we're encouraging you to engage with all of them, and it's not like every one of them is always going to be like a a roadblock. Some of them are going to be very easy, right? You're like, yes, the word is consistent. Yes, godly people um, uh, agree with it. But here's why I put this close together. If you don't know the Bible well, if you're just starting your journey learning the Bible, you might want to talk to someone who is godly with wisdom earlier in the journey. And here's what you would say to them. Hey, could you help me work out what the Bible says about this issue? That's what you would say. You would ask for help in that area. And they would open the Bible with you and you could read stuff together and that would be really, really helpful. So if I was just starting out, this, that's what I would do. If there was a big decision, I would, I would ask someone and say, hey, can you help me? Can, you, can we open the Bible? Can you give me some scriptures? That's where I'd do that. Further on, as a more mature Christian, you will get to um, some areas where the Bible, it's within the bounds of the Bible. And so you're asking for wisdom for a specific thing. Now, this depends how mature you are. So uh, a couple of years ago, maybe even a number of years ago, uh, there was a a guy that I knew, great guy, uh, total radical transformation of his life. His life was turned around. He was recently married and he came to me and he said, you know, I'm really passionate about sharing my faith. And I thought, that is awesome. And then he said, so what what I'm planning to do is I'm planning to contact all my ex-girlfriends, and this is serious, on Facebook so that I can reach out to them with the gospel. Now, who thinks that's a good idea? Not a good idea. So I was able to gently encourage him that that was a bad idea. That is the power of wisdom. Now, Proverbs 15, 2 says, Listening to wise people increases your knowledge. So we want to learn from others' mistakes. There's people in this room that have made some mistakes that we can benefit from. We want to get a different perspective. And also what you do when you share is you get support for the journey. The answer is not always going to be no. The answer is going to be, hey, there's something in here. There's something significant. This is probably bigger than you expect. And I want to support you. I want to pray for you. I want to get alongside you. So sometimes you realize that I don't want to share this with somebody because I don't want them to tell me something that I don't want to hear. Who's ever been there? Yeah. But Proverbs 11.14 says, In a multitude of counselors there is safety. So there is protection. You know, as disciples we need to be teachable. Being in community means that we're accountable. Why I said, what do godly people in my church say about it? It doesn't mean that you can talk to godly people outside the church. I'm just encouraging us not to go shopping for opinions or choose the most likely person to agree with you. 
Okay, that's what I mean by that. Healthy, in healthy church, you want people who know you and who will guide you, but they will not control or manipulate you. And they won't even tell you what to do. They will get you to think about some things. They will get you to reflect on what the Bible says. They will get you to reflect. So it's not about we're saying, oh, you know, People want to, leaders or godly leaders should control your life and, and say what you can and can't do. That's not the purpose of wisdom. They want to guide you. They want to lead you into the truth of the word of God. So that's number two, the wisdom test. Number three, the Jesus test. Will it make me live and love more like Jesus? So I hope that one of your objectives for your life is to represent Jesus, to do things that give glory to God, to do things that advance God's kingdom. And so when we put on the Jesus test, will this make me live and love more like Jesus? One of the things that we check is our motives. Why do I want to do this? Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 4 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement, from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, in any tenderness compassionate, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and in one mind. Listen to this. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Listen to this. Do nothing. What should we do? Nothing. Out of selfish ambition... Or vain conceit. What, rather, in humility, value ourselves above, value others above ourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Wow, that's 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 heavy, isn't it? Is this we have a, a word or impression? Is this a selfish, self-centered idea? Is this just going to make me look good? Is this just going to be good for me? Will this benefit those around me, the interests of others? Will this create relational disharmony or conflict with good, healthy relationships that matter? I'm not talking about pleasing everybody, but there are some things that we can do to that break things that weren't meant to be broken. That's what I mean by this. The other thing is what will it produce in me? And you could go to Galatians chapter 5. Will it produce love? Will it produce joy? Will it produce peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? So this is what it means to love and live like Jesus. That's the Jesus test. Number four, and I know that so many of you have experienced this, is do the peace test, do I feel and inner peace about it. Probably in the last two years, I've had three things, that three decisions that I have wanted to do and probably people expected me to do, but I just couldn't get peace. And it was just something that I, I just couldn't move forward. It was keeping me awake at night. It was agitating my spirit. And so uh, Galatians... Uh, sorry, Colossians chapter 3, 15 in the Good News uh, translation says, The peace that Christ gives is to guide you. 
in the decisions you make. For it is to this peace that God has called you together in the one body. If you don't feel peace about something, pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. Notice it. It's God trying to tell you something. This is connected to the next test, the time test. Does it remain strong over time? Now, here's where we've got the optimism, pessimism leaning. Okay, all the optimists a little bit this way. Where are the optimists at? All the pessimists a little bit this way. Okay. So in our relationship, my wife and I, we are quite balanced in that I am uh, an optimist. I would probably say at times I'm a rampant optimist and sometimes it gets me into trouble, but it also causes me to do things that maybe other people wouldn't do. So it is healthy but needs to be put in check. This is why the time test is so important and it's connected to the, to the peace test. So that the question that we need to ask is, will this remain strong over time? For the optimist, what does this mean? It means when the initial excitement is gone, how do I feel about it? So I need to put a bit of a space. For the pessimist, it works similarly but a different way, is when all the unanswered questions that I have maybe still can't be answered, how do I still feel about it? So time is valuable for both because the optimist is going to say, yeah, this is awesome. Everything's right with it. And the pessimist at the extreme will say, this is horrible. Everything's wrong with it. Neither are wrong or right. There's, no, there's not a good or a bad. It's just you allow the voice of God over time to get past your initial feelings and your initial temperament and move into a space where God's impression begins to rise and you get the peace. It's connected to the peace. So that peace over time. Sometimes I felt uneasy about something straight away, but with time, the peace has ridden, uh, risen. Other times I felt great about something and then that has kind of waned. I've just realized I've just been very excited, which is okay to do, but you don't want to make decisions just on that basis. Here we go. We've got... Two more, and I'm going to ask uh, Sally to, to come back up. The conviction test. This is one that's really, really important. Does it motivate me to do what is right? Have a look up here. There's a couple of options other than conviction. This next. Conviction will cause you to do what's right. Condemnation will cause you just to feel bad and convenience will get you to do just what you feel. So the Bible says in the book of John that the Holy Spirit's role is to convict, which is in a way to convince. In the Bible, also in Revelation, it says the devil is the accuser, the enemy. So if you have an impression that is just a really vague and general sense of guilt, that's not from God. The voice of the Holy Spirit will speak to something but immediately give you power to take a step. 
We've talked about this before. Conviction is the helping hand. Condemnation is the pointed finger. It's like you're, you're wrong and stay there. You're down and stay there. Stay there. Con- conviction says, let me give you a helping hand. And convenience is the easy chair. It's the path of least resistance. Just like do what I feel in the moment. Is this easy? Does it feel good in the moment? Is everyone else doing this? The last one is the fit test. And this is, does it align with who God created me to be and His calling for me? So we might have a good idea that doesn't align with our purpose. And we can weigh that, we can examine that, we can test that. Say, hey, that's just a good idea, but this is not who I am and God has called me to be. We also, God, recognise that God creates us in our temperament. He orchestrates the way. There are some things that suit us. For example, in Rebecca and my relationship, she is an insurance broker, high level of negotiation, high level of detail. Okay, if we did a job swap, it wouldn't go down very well because we're not suited to that. God has created us. He's put us in different roles. The other thing is that one thing that Rebecca and I did many years ago, maybe four or five years ago, is we prayerfully considered what our values were and asked God and said, God, show us who we are, what motivates us. And for us as a, as a family, their relationship, partnership, family, health and joy. And these are our guiding principles for major decisions. Am I going to do something or take an opportunity that is going to have a negative impact on the family? Am I going to do something significant without relationship? I'm not going to do that. So we need to understand that as we become more confident in accepting God's identity and allowing Him to speak to us, then that becomes part of how we discern what is for us. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.